Hello and welcome to the third episode of In the Beginning, What's the Word? It's me again, Nils Leo Tungoden, your uh, monologue companion, perhaps, or maybe it's the first time you are listening to, well, my monologues or my talks with others. Uh, I've set it up so that every Wednesday I do a monologue on something that I've been thinking about uh, the past week. And on every Saturday, my aim is at least to have a guest on. And we will discuss together. Sitting here and speaking to the microphone uh, alone is kind of weird, but... I think it's helpful and fruitful for me and uh, the goal is for it to be helpful and fruitful for my listeners as well. Today is uh, sort of a special day. It's the 3rd of March. So the 3rd of the 3rd. And that's the age that Jesus was when he was crucified and when he died. It's an esoteric number of significance and uh, in the conspiracy and occultist circles, people talk about the number 33. It's been popping up a lot in the media too with the whole COVID thing, but I'll try to abstain from talking about that tonight. Because of uh, the date and the number 33 and its significance, I will read a passage from the Bible and I will read Psalm 33. Shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous. Praise befits the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Make melody to him with the harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. For the word of the Lord is upright, and all his work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. By the word of the Lord the heavens were made and by the breath of his mouth all their host. He gathers the waters of the sea as a heap. He puts the deeps in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. The people whom he has chosen as his heritage. The Lord looks down from heaven. He sees all the children of man. 
From where he sits enthroned, he looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the hearts of them all and observes all their deeds. The king is not saved by his great army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. The war horse is a false hope for our salvation, and by its great might it cannot rescue. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love, that he may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart is glad in him, because we trust in his holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in you. Now, because of the unprecedented amounts of information readily available, in addition to unprecedented times of government overreach or government mitigation of the so-called public health uh, threats. I bring up this number. Well, it makes sense because today is the 3rd of March, but also to clarify some things. Like I mentioned earlier, the number 33 has been popping up in a lot of places, and it is an important number. So, in science and math, the number 33 appears. Um, the human spine is made of 33 individual bones or vertebrae. In the Pythagorean system, 33 is the highest of the three master numbers, which do not get reduced to a single number. 33 is the largest number that is not a sum of distinct triangular numbers. The word Amen has a value of 33 in simple English, gematria. In religion and mythology, as I mentioned, Jesus was 33 years old when he was crucified and resurrected. Islamic prayer beads are generally arranged in three sets of 33 for a total of 99 beads. This corresponds to the 99 attributes of Allah. The second level of heaven in Buddhism is named Trayastri Masa from the numeral meaning 33 and can be translated in English as belonging to the 33 devas, divas or gods. If uh, I have any Buddhist listeners tuning in, my apologies for uh, likely butchering that word. Despite studying language, uh, I, I've been wrestling a little bit with it. It's a strange word to me. Uh, the divine name Elohim appears 33 times in the story of creation in the opening chapters of Genesis. 
And there were also 33 deities in the Vedic or ancient Hinduism religion. Now, apparently, despite what the so-called conspiracy theorists would like us to think, the highest degree in Freemasonry is the third degree and not the 33 degree. Whether or not this last proclamation is true, I don't know. And that is a key aspect of my talk tonight. Because on the internet, through social media, through our, well, fourth estate media, and alternative media, there is now so much information appearing all across our channels that it's really hard sometimes to know what is true and what is not true. Some weeks ago, there was a bunch of snow falling in places where snow is not supposed to fall. And uh, a lot of people took this snow and made it into a little ball and apparently lit it on fire. But this does not provide any sort of evidence to anything because apparently the gases and uh, the heat from the lighter can color snow in that fashion. But then I saw other strange things as well. For instance, there was a video from Madrid in Spain where someone seemed to be putting a piece of snow on top of a stove and it melted and turned invisible into drips of water that, well, quickly ran or slithered his way uh, up on the other end of the stove, returned back to the middle of the stove, and then it turned into like a brown little mush thing. And it moved around and behaved in a very strange manner. But how do we know if this is true? The Queen of England was giving a speech, uh, I think it was last December, of course, in relation to uh, COVID and the lockdown. And then apparently that was a deep fake, as they call it. Now, this leads us to divisions within the inner circle of the soul because we can't even establish and agree upon basic notions of what is true and what is untrue in the spirit of the time it has become very popular to be critical of technology and the so-called technocratic society. 
I am one of the critics and I have several good reasons, but it's important not to forget or disregard the positive elements of this technology that I am now employing and you are using. Communication via the internet is the greatest tool or the biggest curse that we have, depending on how we use it. Now, I believe myself to be using it fairly responsibly with an aim of educating, illuminating, or perhaps getting people to ask questions. If people disagree with me, I'm quite happy, especially academics who are thorough will probably find some of what I'm talking about to not have any relation at all. But that is completely wrong, I would say. I think that in academia, as we say here in Norway, they have sets of rules and uh, things you are supposed to lay out in a certain fashion for good reason, because it has to be what they say is true. But at the same time, there is a lot of untrue doctrines being produced in academia, especially in the humanities. But I completely understand the reasoning for wanting that. Now, I am a theology student myself. And I really enjoy digging through older religions, trying to piece things together. Last, no, two semesters ago, I wrote a paper on New Age doctrines and where it came from in the 70s. And Timothy Leary and a lot of strange characters. So being somewhat into the mystical and so-called esoteric myself is uh, one of the main reasons for bringing up the number and digging into that. And you'll understand that it serves a purpose as we go further along in this talk. But like I said, I am critical of technology and its usage and especially, especially lately, where certain oligarchs and big tech uh, typhoons are really, well, they're very similar to Rockefeller in his time, but even crazier. And several, well, all the mainstream media seems to be owned by the same person now, uh, and the whole world is becoming such that uh, if you don't get one of the experimental vaccines that he is involved in, you are verboten, <laughs> forbidden from uh, participating in society. In addition to that, because of global warming, as they say, we need to uh, stop with all the animal farming and uh, create all the meat in factories and laboratories. Coincidentally, 
these laboratories and factories belong to the same person who uh, seems to have the media in sort of like a, a magical binding right now. But very important to not lose sight of the good. In relation to this, I'm going to incorporate some audio clips tonight from a man named Marshall McLuhan. He is uh, popularly known as having uh, predicted the internet. And uh, I really like the stuff that he said and the reason he had for saying it. According to my fiance, who did, uh, well, I'm not sure if, well, we can call it a lecture today on the individual in question. He uh, is very interesting, but not well respected in the academic circles. Because he could come off as, well, kind of ranting at times, not always seeming to be uh, having a, a purpose that fits together in accordance to the rules of the academy. Like I said, I respect those rules and I understand why they're put in place. But I also think they can be very limiting on the creative power working through us as men, women, humans, sir, seer, whatever have you now. But communication is incredible. And it's so cool that I can speak tonight and that you can hear me and that we can be so free in a way. Freedom is, it's an incredible freedom that we have online, not outside anymore. But uh, let me uh, play a clip from some of the stuff you had to say, and I will continue from there. Instead of going out and buying a package book, uh, of which there have been 5,000 copies printed. You will go to the telephone, describe your interests, your needs, your problems, and say, I'm working now on the history of Egyptian arithmetic. I know a bit of Sanskrit. I, I am uh, I'm qualified in German, and uh, I am a, a good mathematician. They said, it'll be right over. And they at once Xerox, with the help of computers from the libraries of the world, all the latest material just for you personally, not as something to be put out on, a, on the bookshelf. They send you the package as a direct personal service. This is where we're heading under electronic information conditions. Products increasingly are becoming services. Now, that was uh, Marshall McLuhan in 1966. Incredible, huh? That's 33 times 2. Oh, spooky. But uh, anyway, uh, it's quite astonishing that he was able to predict what is happening now all over the place to such a direct level. Now, uh, he was critical of all of this. In his later life, he lived as a sheep farmer, I believe. And he kind of became sort of a recluse to some extent. He didn't get all the, well, praise that I believe he 
was deserving of. But now, especially in the internet age, there is, uh, well, a lot of people who really enjoy his stuff. As a side note, I have noticed that a lot of uh, the greatest uh, thinkers that we have available, they're not really noticed until after their death, like uh, the greatest artists and so forth. Van Gogh as one example. There's, <laughs> of course, hundreds of them. But communication via the internet. Which is completely amazing and carries a lot of short circuits that we can arrive into. Now, when it comes to so-called conspiracy theories, some are completely wild and other so-called conspiracies from last year are now happening right in front of us the COVID pass, and now they're talking about universal basic income and the whole tech societies that we are attempting to, uh, to implement. In this regard, I find it interesting that there seems to be quite a heavy overlap between being defenders of well, maybe I speak too freely, but defenders of technocracy, really. Big tech censorship and adherence to big pharma rules. Lately, on one of these communication channels that some would perhaps describe as one of the least productive ones, uh, namely Twitter, I have uh, <clears throat> noticed uh, a very heavy overlap between people who have their pronouns in their bios and who are also for whatever the government wants to implement. A good friend of mine, he sent me an experiment also, I believe, conducted in the 60s where several uh, people um, sit in a room, but there's only one person who is actually being, well, experimented upon. He is the subject of the experiment. The rest of the people sitting in the, in the room, they are actors. And so what happens is that every single person is asked to describe the length of a black stripe uh, or a column, uh, the length of it. And then they are shown something that is evidently not correct. Evidently. And what happens is that a surprising amount of people will provide an obviously wrong answer because all the other people there, the actors in the experiment, are doing the same. Now, of course, they did the same experiment without saying loudly what they picked. In this experiment, the actors say first uh, 
Well, you have three options. Which one is the longest, A, B, or C? And then they all say B or C, and it's the wrong answer, and it's evidently wrong. And then the subject person will very often provide the wrong answer. And this is interesting, and I believe it explains a lot of what is happening and why people go along with certain things and defend certain things is because they are afraid of standing out. They would rather go with a lie that people have agreed upon than to speak out loudly and be identified as a troublemaker in the group. The ability to hold or give speeches sort of naturally that is terrifying to us, well, many of us, uh, not me, actually, I think, but to many people that is a terrifying experience. The reason for this from uh, an evolutionary and uh, uh, psychological standpoint is that people associate from ancient times that if the entire tribe is looking at you, that means that you have done something wrong. They wouldn't all be staring at you if you had not done something wrong. I think this explains why a lot of politicians can be very tricky and slimy and tricksters and everything, because they uh, fit naturally in, in those positions. I also think that those of us who are able to see through their evident garbage uh, maybe we have kind of the same brain as them, but I believe myself to be a morally upstanding citizen, nonetheless. When it comes to the times right now and not being able to agree on what is true or untrue, another interesting phenomenon is the whole trans thing. And the reason why it's interesting on a deeper level than just all the hollering about whether someone is a woman biologically or male when they are not in reality, although I digress and I think you can be able to identify as what you want, is because that is a symptom associated with civilizational decline. The Greeks and the Romans, too, from historical sources, apparently became very preoccupied with hermaphrodism or hermaphroditism in uh, the death gasps of their empires. And so I find it interesting that that has taken such a spotlight in our media discourse and our cultural discourse and that the people who seem to be engaging with it a lot and adhering to the rules established by those cliques those little cults or societies or ideological groups they also seem to not be able to think critically 
in relation to totalitarianism creeping in, in many ways. So, I had a discussion with someone, uh, I will of course not name the person, but I find it highly interesting. She has her Twitter profile, and apparently she is uh, not disabled, but she's been out of work for a long time. And now she has become a vaccine administrator. And of course, uh, the vaccine is part of her name on her tag. She has incorporated it. And she is uh, totally for the mass vaccination program. So uh, I said I wasn't going to talk about COVID, but it's just too perfect of an example. So apologies, but here it goes again. Uh, I said that I found it astonishing that we only have 32 deaths among people below 70 years of age in this country. This turned into sort of like a back and forth, forth discourse. I wouldn't call it an argument at all. But uh, I thought I gave some pretty valid arguments. For instance, uh, you, there is no reason to deploy the military on your own population and, and things like that. But none of this seemed to be registering uh, with her or the crowd that she is kind of like a part of. That's her little tribe. And I noticed that the people in support of her, all of them, every single one, had she, her, or he, him in their bio. And so this leads me to believe that these people, they simply regurgitate what is dominating around them, which is interesting. To provide these thoughts with some additional context, I'd like to uh, bring attention to uh, something called the Magic Lantern. And uh, it's an invention that uh, occurred in the 17th century, which was an age of social, political, and religious instability. And it was expressed through thought and art of the time. Uh, social uncertainty and anxiety were expressed in a cultural fascination for illusion. Since magic and stage plays were at the apex of illusionism, both became popular. They were even brought together by Shakespeare in A Midsummer's Night's Dream and The Tempest and by Corneille in his illusion comique. Both, or comique, I guess, sorry. Uh, both writers uh, described stage plays that were not managed by directors or playwrights, but by magicians, and compared the shadows summoned up by magic with the actors in a play. The world, too, was compared with a stage in different ways. And I've seen this comparison uh, pop up recently as well. 
In one current metaphor, man was an actor in a play directed by fortune and chance. In another, nature directed the illusions which tricked the spectators and it's in its religious version. God showed his skill and abundance in the theatrum mundi. Uh, but man always knew that he was part of the play. In this context, truth was illusory, and skepticism, cynicism, relativism, and atheism were present, but under a veil of orthodoxy. They were not yet as uh, neoliberally free as we see ourselves today. Also, one of uh, the key founders of, well, inventors and uh, peddlers of the Magic Lantern uh, was the Jesuits. Uh, at least, well, one key person in that circle. And as the defenders of a Catholic absolute church, the Jesuits tried to counter the contemporary sense of illusion by staging their own place. According to them, the world did not delude, and all knowledge, even the knowledge of God, was only attainable by the means of the senses. The Jesuit educational reformer, Pontanus, followed Suarez's authority in stating that one cannot know God if one does not see the intelligence he created. As the invisible is cognizable by the mind only by the means of what is created. And this is a shared view of the 17th and 18th century Jesuit thought. And uh, that movement or religious doctrine has had a lot of influence on many public institutions. I believe the Pope right now is a Jesuit himself. But anyway, uh, they also claim that we are all actors and spectators of life, but alike. But uh, the Jesuits vigorously opposed the idea that fate or chance conducts the world, God does. So in this sense, I guess I would be more of a Jesuit if I was to live at that time. But the illusions of the project projection even during uh, that time when it was uh, fairly, uh, well, not well developed at least. It started as a thing for the upper class and the people who had technological, well, capabilities. They had the money to go to shows and to, well, insert higher thoughts or meaning or otherwise known as arguments about this. Uh, several theology, well, theologists, they compared it to demonology, 
there's some Neoplatonism involved in it because it's so similar to the cave allegory because of the projections of the shadows. Now, uh, God is light, well, at least according to the Muslims. So trying to understand light and figure out what light is has always been important to them. I think it's one of the main reasons why they dominated in math for such a long time, from what I've gathered, at least. Because they became uh, completely infatuated with light. They wanted to understand what light was because they believed that was God. Perhaps they're right. But light uh, also has to do with this. Uh, looking straight into the light would, of course, uh, blind us. And uh, it's one of the mistakes of mysticism. When you go too far and try to decipher the secret signs that are all around us or in the world uh, that are supposed to give you keys to the truth. Uh, this, these are Jesuit religious messages in themselves. Uh, but that can, of course, blind you, which is why I started off with some of my uh, esoteric uh, notions even though i uh, went straight from the trance thing to this you'll see that it's it's mixed together uh, yet the symbolical meaning of the anamorphic uh, technique uh, was even more important than the context content of the picture paradoxically normal perspective was only an empty copy of the world idula but deformed perspective unleashed a hidden truth, imago. This truth is that there exists a special perspective which renders the invisible image, that's the divine, visible. This was the meaning of anamorphosis or anamorphosis. In the deceitful and chaotic world, you can see a secret order with a, with a divine message. If viewed from a certain Christian perspective, uh, this perspective uh, has been part of the optical or religious knowledge which the Jesuits traditionally, traditionally has possessed. And uh, they have affirmed much priority of interpretation of worldly phenomena. The world is also full of the occult, imperceptible or hidden powers. And uh, some of these powers are just natural laws like magnetism, elec electricity, or even light. And uh, only the effects of these occult powers are visible. Tesla, he was really into mysticism from what I gather. I won't be going too much. Well, I won't be going into him at all tonight, but I will have to do it later. He was a very, uh, very interesting person. But this whole thing did devolve. Uh, 
Eventually, illusion did not show an invisible world anymore, but became the semblance of the visible. And, uh, well, truth and illusion came together at the surface of the phenomena and became two sides of the same coin. In this context, the monsters of the lanterns could, lantern could not be enjoyed anymore by the cultural so-called elite and were transferred to a new public. In the 18th century, the lantern showed, shown by Savoyards and uh, well, others, some names I uh, found for this, uh, did not know of them before I delved into this. But anyway, uh, the poorest of people, they were entertained. It was then entertainment for the so-called lowest classes. Uh, and these people were considered credulous and superstitious enough to suspend their judgment so as to be able to enjoy the show. But the magic of the lantern was not yet fully defeated. It took until the 19th century before its images could represent, well, so-called truth, and before it became used in scientific and religious propaganda. Yet by then, the light of the lantern had long ceased to be the laughter of heaven. This is highly relevant to what is happening as well, because on one side, we have the critics of technology and of what is happening. And then you have misinformation being deployed in order to invoke superstition. And as from what I gather, there's a lot of people who think we are now living in the end times and that it's the mark of the beast. I have even suspected maybe that's what's going on and uh, i suppose that's enough to have me uh, put into a mental institution uh, but i don't really care because there's been a lot of symbolism around some of the vaccines and some of the new technologies being implemented like microsoft's new currency the cryptocurrency that you're supposed to be uh, well rewarded with cryptocurrencies for watching commercials and it is dependent upon your body activity and coincidentally the last six numbers of this patent well they are 666 and then one of the vaccines there was a bunch of talk about it having luciferiase in it and it was exactly 6.66 milliliters in it. That doesn't mean that I believe it is the end times, but what it makes me suspect is that there's evident magic lantern usage being deployed in order to come off as all powerful or to break people down and to divide them. This was quite the detour, but I think it warrants an, uh, an explanation in the behind scenes of 
of what is going on. Now back to identity and uh, well, private identity. That is now void. It does not exist anymore. And you may not like it. Perhaps I'm supposed to not like it, but I'm now talking to you here with my full name. I even have a writer's name and two social media accounts linked to it. So I can't really be talking about it from an outside perspective. I am part of it. I am participating. I'm making the choice to participate too. Unless things go way off the rails. I mean, I may decide to uh, leave it all behind sometime. It's been something I've been thinking about doing, but I don't see the reason uh, right now. If Facebook and Twitter and Instagram are owned by people who want to own land, air and water and also make sure that your speech falls in line with what they, with what their economic dreams are, I think it's even more important to be a part of their things, ironically, to uh, upload well, or share thoughts and ideas that go against that, go against what their wishes. But this brings me onward to the notion of identity, which is tied to all of this and uh, which also our identities, they are being politicized and propagandized. And I'll explain why, and I think I understand the reason for doing it. To take an example, Black Lives Matter as a phenomenon. Of course, if you don't really pay too much attention and you realize some of the injustices that has happened to black people in the United States. You're not supposed to call them that anymore. You're supposed to call them people of color, I guess, but everyone has color. And I don't think African-American is right to say either because they're not African, they are American. They're not from Africa. For several centuries, their parents have, uh, well, slept together and had children in the country of the United States. So, well, I will have no qualms about just calling them black people. Like I, I'm a white person and then you have white people and you have Asian people. Before, well, we used to call them yellow people, I guess, but that kind of doesn't make sense. They're not yellow. And in, well, Native Americans, in Norway, we still call them Indians. They're trying here now to have a stop uh, using that word. That makes sense to me, though. They're not Indians at all. So if so, that's like if someone would say that I'm Turkish when I'm Norwegian. I understand why that's kind of annoying. But here we call them Indians for now, at least. 
But back from that detour and into reality again we go. So uh, identity is being exploited and propagandized. Like I said, I would provide <clears throat> an explanation as to why I think it's occurring. And uh, I use Black Lives Matter as an example, but you also have white nationalists in Europe and a lot of, uh, well, you can call it Nazism online amongst Generation C, where they just uh, hate uh, all black people and they hate Jews and they have been thoroughly indoctrinated into that. All of these movements are, well, they're not organic. Black Lives Matter is the most, well, evident explanation or, well, example of something that does not say serve a good or a greater purpose. It does not. If you uh, believe in the rhetoric and the message and the movement of Black Lives Matter, that's fine. I understand there can be elements of it where people can uh, jump along and be a part of it. But generally speaking, what it does is well, it, it makes it so that people, they want to tear down statues. In London, they were talking about removing Winston Churchill. And here in Norway, they were talking about moving other statues. Uh, it's just, if someone is on the fence between white nationalism or right-wing white nationalism with an ethnocentric viewpoint, then acting in such a way and also giving it media cover, that's going to make them step down from the fence and onto the side that they supposedly say that they don't want us to do. But the whole point and ambition of this is to divide the populace into different groups fighting against each other. That's the whole purpose of all of this. It's to create chaos and to disrupt societies. And then from the ashes of that, rebuild something new, owned by new people with new rules. I think, well, this is quite evident from my standpoint. I could delve further into it and, well, perhaps I'm wrong in thinking it's on purpose. Maybe it's just random. It's the internet. It's how it works if we have freedom and all that stuff. But it seems intentional, at least from the media side, from the Black Lives Matter angle, but also the white nationalist angle. We have people here in Norway, uh, their name is uh, Sion, they're like against uh, Muslims, I guess. And they are like this in such a fashion that they have no charm, no charisma or no truth at all. And in the middle of a, what they call a pandemic, they are allowed to speak in the middle of our capital and hundreds of protesters gather and it's just, it's transparent what is happening. 
But now we're all locked down and we can't do anything and they're talking about the military curfew. But anyway, I'm going to leave that behind. Propagandizing identity into a destructive tool. That is what I feel like is happening. And I admit it may be random. It might, maybe it's just that's human nature. But to me, it feels uh, made so in several ways. In relation to this, you will hear from Mr. Marshall <clears throat> McLuhan again, and uh, here he comes. In the new electric world, where everybody is involved in everybody, where everybody is involved in complex processes that are going on in the total environment, the old identity cards that used to constitute private identity, the old means of finding out who am I, uh, will not work. People uh, now have to encounter themselves in the inner world, uh, Kierkegaard or existential style, in order to know who they are. The old methods of merely external uh, identity by uh, marks of uh, occupation, national origin, age grouping, and so on, these will not serve any longer as means of distinguishing private identity. And so what he was saying there is quite correct. And another one of uh, what you may call his prophecies regarding the future. And so maybe it's just happening on random. And social media rewards and exaggerates this behavior and what we're seeing is well internet meme culture or internet meme course personalities spilling into the streets of which there is no compassion or any sort of well <clears throat> cohesive uh, nature of reality and everyone is just going along with their own thing. And he was quite right in that. Now, I mentioned earlier the she, her, and the he, him people. Look, I'm not trying to say that uh, they're all the same, but generally speaking, that, that's what I see. Whenever I see someone being in favor of totalitarianism from the government, specifically with COVID as the backdrop, uh, they almost always have this. In addition, they very often have the rainbow flag color, uh, the gay rights, uh, well, symbol, I guess, which is, well, it's going to sound weird to some people, but some of Others, they will get it automatically. And that goes back to the notion of, well, the light and uh, the magic lantern and God being in the light. So what those colors represent is the light of God. But what is being propagandized, or at least spread around is something that is very different from the nature of God as we are supposed to understand it in traditional fashion. Uh, I have nothing against gay people, like I literally nothing. I would even say they should be able to like adopt children. And if they want to get married in the church, that's not my business. 
at the same time, I think people should be able to, if they are priests, not marry gay people. But then they would have to work in a private church because we have, well, we don't have a state church anymore here, but we still, it's kind of like a state church still. You will have no problem finding a priest in Norway who will wed you if you are gay and you will be able to adopt children. They have all the rights uh, in place. Of course, there are, well, I don't know, homophobic people or people who don't like or respect gay people and hate crimes happening on the street towards them simply for being gay. If I was walking the street and I saw a gay couple being assaulted by someone, I would probably go over and smack the people while the person assaulting the gay couple. So that's that. But alongside with the rainbow flag comes a lot of stuff that really uh, many of us would not agree with and plenty of gay people too. You're not homophobic for pointing this out. I am really just, I have no time, value or respect left for people who fling accusations against you because you have an opinion on something. And one of them is, for instance, well, a friend of mine, he is a doctor and he has an uncle. He is gay. He uh, sleeps with men and that's what he likes to do. That's who he is. And uh, he's totally normal. You would never guess that he's gay. He's just a person, but he's gay. There's nothing special or magical about him. He does not evolve his character around the fact of being gay. He just is gay. Some people are just gay. But then you have the rainbow flag uh, parades and everything with people in spandexes. And then you have uh, like trans people going to schools, like kindergartens for five-year-olds and doing like shows in their underwear. And if you ever say anything against this, then you're part of the right-wing conspiratorical fascist crowd online it's just it's so tiresome but that's like another part of this it's just uh basically uh manipulating truth into dysfunction and then propagandizing it until all the people who are of the psychological nature that they would say that a line is a, the length that is not correct, they get on board. And if you get all those people on board, I assume you have 30% of any population. In Norway, I would assume 50 because we are collectivists and we, yeah, it's our nature, it seems like to me. And from that, you just create chaos and uh, arguments that does not make any sense. It has no reason behind it. Then you have in the mass media, just totally <laughs> uh, the anti 
antithesis to intellectual thought or moral value. Then everyone sits in their house and they're on Snapchat and the further devolvement of that is of course uh, TikTok with robotic behavior and everyone in their screens all the time. I'm not going to be an old fart and just complain about it. I don't care what people do. But it disturbs me to some extent if those same people seem to be implementing a sort of tyrannical fascism, which is what we are seeing. So they're making new hate speech laws here in regards to that. Uh, Same thing has happened in Scotland. All nations seem to be following the same script as opposed to (laughs) scripture. I realize that battle is long lost, but I really hope there's someone listening to this who are progressive and to the left we're able to understand my words coming right now. I really hope so. But the, well, I've called it the propagandization of identity. You could also call it the weaponization of identity. All of these tendencies are natural and uh, people have seen them for a long time. One of them that has gotten a lot of internet attention, and that is because he was so correct in so many things, despite doing some pretty horrible things, is Ted Kaczynski. And uh, I don't really see why I need to say this, but I guess I have to say it. I'm not in favor of going away from technological society in its entirety. I'm also not in favor of not shaving my beard and moving into a cabin in the woods for several months before I murder a bunch of people. It should just be evident on its own. But he described very accurately in his... uh, What's it called? Industrial Society and its Future, written by Theodore Kaczynski in 1995. Uh, Of course, he was uh, mad at this time, I would assume. You can see it in his writing, too, the way he talks, well, the way he uh, writes. But he was not a gibbering madman. And what is happening pretty accurately is exactly what he described. And that is a sort of technological orthodoxy and overreach of civil liberties. And it's being implemented and propagandized, or if not that, being explained away by people who are, well, he calls it leftism. 
politically correct types, feminists, gay and disability activists, animal rights and the like. And I'm not going to dig further into what he wrote. I obviously don't agree with everything, not even on leftism, but some of the overreaching findings that he had are highly accurate. And so I actually recommend anyone to read his, well, (laughs) lunatic manifesto, I guess you could call it that. But I don't think he was really a lunatic. He just understood some things. But uh, the way he went about it is obviously wrong. I'll say it 20 times if I have to. But this podcast is turning long. I'm going to continue onwards to Marshall McLuhan when it comes to identity and the quest for identity. And uh, here he is yet again. When you live out on the frontier, you have no identity. You're a nobody. Therefore, you get very tough. You have to prove that you are somebody. And so you become very violent. And so identity is always accompanied by violence. This uh, seems paradoxical to you that uh, ordinary, ordinary people uh, find the need for violence as they lose their identities. So it's only the threat to people's identity that makes them violence. Terrorists, hijackers, these are people minus identity. They are determined to make it somehow, to get coverage, to get noticed. All right, so what Mr. Uh, McLuhan is saying here is that ordinary people find their need for, well, the need for violence as they lose their identity. Therefore, it is just really interesting to see that in public institutions in the United States, recently Coca-Cola was one of them, They are doing these basically Maoist indoctrination sessions uh, targeted against white people. Like, really, that's just what it is. I don't care. If you think that uh, the only way to be racist is power plus whatever, something else that white people can't be racist, blah, 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 all back into your gibberish cave. I'm so done with it. But uh, seriously, uh, it's literally anti-white. It's saying that uh, you try to be less white. And then uh, identifying uh, certain, well, a whole range of things that, of course, black people can do as well. Just like human nature, ordinary things that some uh, populations may exhibit more than others through a scientific lens, but at least half of the things that they list as part of white supremacy culture, like a problem, are things that black people do and engage in all the time as well. It's called just ordinary human nature. There are uh, population differences that can be 
easily explain that we are all the same race. But then you see how, well, if you have McLuhan's words in mind, we'll understand why it's so destructive to do that. Therefore, I would call upon anyone involved in, in this to really reconsider. But I don't know. It seems to me like they're doing it on, on purpose. I can't really explain what else. Uh, I wrote something regarding this. There's a certain subject, subject well, subset of people uh, who I call deconstructionists. They are very into uh, deconstructing everything, deconstructing uh, the relationship between male and female and between black and white. And just, it has gone way into the depths of lunacy and uh, anyone should be able to say that at this point. If not, you're just afraid or I don't know what I can do to help you. But <clears throat> the deconstructionists are often film critics, journalists and or academics with big egos and low wages. Thus, the need to be accepted within the structure of larger entities. So I would expect from people who are academics to realize how this is disruptive and just a waste of time. Uh, but I think they do understand it. But like I said, big egos and low wages. They have a lot of thoughts and ideas, just like me. But they don't make a whole lot of money and they would like to become professors or something. And uh, they have uh, made it a very evident goal in the United States to engage in this behavior. We don't have that here in Norway, but they've been trying here as well to impose some of this. But anyway, from low wages, I move onward. Thus, the need to be accepted yeah, within the structure of larger entities. I think they must realize the lunacy inherent in what they are promoting, but their survival depends on it. From an archetypical perspective, I've found their primary mode of operation is through what they call the critical lens. This extends to every aspect of their personal life. Sound advice in the face of economic destruction is rejected. What they've always said to want, which is happening now, so-called destruction of capitalism, and we need to undo capitalism, all that. Ironically, they'll complain about that. But anyway, here we have what they wanted. Uh, from this, they'll blame their misfortunes on other groups of people, and they'll do so, so with the ethnicity of their proposed enemies as an explanation for why their hatred is just. This is simply astonishing to contemplate. The best course of action 
is for them to meet the lowly and what they label the right. Uh, that would be me. Well, like I would be labeled right by these people, but I'm for pretty high taxes. I'm pro-choice. I think gay people should be able to get married in a church if they want to. But I'm just basically pro-liberty. It's normal liberty, humanism, compassion, truth. Uh, to them, this is far right. I've noticed that. Anyway, through shared dialogue exchanges of thought, we would not find ourselves here right now. And the architects of the movement know this very well. I refuse to believe that people at the so-called top who called for counseling, dismantling, indoctrinating, and the demonizing of other people, specifically white people within this context, which is just what it is. It's just the truth. I refuse to believe that they are unaware of this. So that is one small part of it. Uh, then, of course, you do have a lot of right wing extremism. Uh, coming about and you have scholars they're on this i commend their efforts and i think they should continue i feel like i'm sort of uh, a bit on it already i know why it is where it comes from and that is why i started out with esotericism which maybe you have forgotten by now because i've been talking for a long time tonight uh, but the whole, so for instance, I believe there was a civilization before this. Uh, I feel like I have, well, theological evidence and uh, circumstantial evidence, like Plato's description of Atlantis 11,000 years ago, not before Christ. I mistook that date in my first episode. But within this environment, you also have uh, occultism. Basically, I remember very well when the History Channel stopped showing things about the Romans and the Greeks and started uh, showing only things about ancient aliens. And this breaches on into white supremacy and what they call well, esoteric doctrines, which has become a part of the ethnocentric nationalist right. On uh, the so-called, well, forum or image board 4chan, which I don't really know what's up with that, but you have a lot of great writers, writers spending a lot of their energy and time in that. Maybe I'm going too far like demon pit <laughs> writing stuff and sending it into that into the ai algorithm but even there you have the esoteric uh, notion well it's like a belief system i say kick a lot on social media and stuff because i know it's a thing they used to identify like white supremacists and stuff like that but that started with 
the video game World of Warcraft a long time ago. And uh, one of the dudes I grew up with, one of the most brilliant men I've ever met, he uh, used to say kek all the time. Because if you were a horde player and you said lol, with lol, laughing out loud, to an alliance player online, it would come out as kek. And that's why he said it. And so it stuck with me because of that. But now, this forum or whatever you want to call it, this is why I'm kind of happy that I am a theology student because I have plenty of material to work with that extends to Black Lives Matter too, with all their puritanism and shaming and witch burning tendencies. <laughs> that also goes into uh, this forum or whatever you want to call it, Fortune. So now they have, uh, well, it's basically become a Masonic lodge where they like. Uh, worship uh, the chaos god from Egypt. His name is Kek. <laughs> and <clears throat> the occultism intertwined with like white nationalism and the European superior man. That is something you saw in Nazism too with uh, occultism. There's a lot of uh, information about this online. So I would recommend people reading up a little bit about that because that is also being put in motion or set of, I don't know. I don't know who's really doing this. I just, I can't imagine that it's just happening on random for no reason. It seems, uh, yeah, I go back to that it seems on purpose. That could surely be wrong, like I've said before. Which uh, brings me to the last segment of my talk. And because my episode is so long tonight, I'm not gonna go into it uh, more than, than what the soundbite will provide you with. But uh, it's Marshall McLuhan again, of course. And it's about surveillance. And uh, with that, I am going to end this episode. Maybe it was a bit too all over the place, but I hope you gain something from it. I'll surely return to these subjects later. In my opinion, it builds up uh, an explanation for what is happening. And, uh, well, can't say who is really behind it, except, I suppose, the old slogan of follow the money is always relevant. Who is gaining in the world? And for what reason? There's a lot of stuff now that's going to be happening very soon where uh, our freedoms and our right to live as normal human beings in the way that we have known will be disappearing and there's going to be a lot of uh, progressive reasons for it and green reasons uh, environmental concerns and the like 
I think overpopulation is obviously an issue. And uh, I'm actually quite happy to see something being done about it. Like I've read articles about all the birds returning to Italy because there's not so many tourists and planes landing all the time. And actually I think that's pretty cool. But you can't trash all our civil liberties in the pursuit of this. And also implementing total control for a certain group of oligarchs and big tech and big pharma companies. And with that, my talk must finish. And I hope you have a good night. I hope you see the light, embrace truth, and I hope you're able to speak the truth and that you're able to state your opinion, no matter what people around you may say. At the very end, I must say that it also has to do with narcissism that I've mentioned earlier. It's rewarded and uh, expanded through the use of social media. And it's very easy to spot narcissists. I spot them all the time. And uh, yeah, they're very often ideologically inclined. And uh, they have no self. People think narcissists are people who have very high thoughts about themselves. This also extends to the whole identity issue. But actually the problem with narcissists is that they have no notion of themselves. They just mirror and mimic what is around them. They're almost uh, like a virus in humanity in a way. Like a big problem. And uh, social media, that is narcissism defined upon request if someone's listening to this and uh, have made it all the way to the end here I will provide them with some examples from uh, some contemporary psychologists basically fronting what I said I know calling people a virus isn't necessarily the best thing to do but that is where I have arrived at with that, stay in truth, have trust, hope, compassion, and faith, and you'll hear from me on Saturday. And then you will also hear from Marshall McLuhan one last time. Good day, good afternoon, or good night, depending on your circumstances. We now have the means to keep everybody under surveillance. In any, no matter what part of the world they're in, we can put uh, them under surveillance. It has become one of the main occupations of mankind, just watching other people and keeping a record of their goings on. And invading privacy. Invading privacy, in fact, just ignoring it. It's, it's, uh, everybody has become porous. They, they, got, they got the light, the light and, the, and the messages go right through it.